Live from Mux Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, this is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It's Kenny and Ioprin. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. It is great to be back. It was a good weekend last weekend. Wisconsin gets to 2-1 and one on the season. More importantly, upcoming on Saturday, a visit to Columbus, the Ohio State Buckeyes at night. Alongside that is Zach Ioprin. Hello, Zach. Hello, sir. And Bill Nagy, former Wisconsin offensive lineman, noted Ohio guy. How are you? Good. How's it going, guys? <laughs> You just throw them out there. Noted. I mean, I wanted to start Noted. there. It's Ohio State this weekend. You obviously have experience uh, in matchups like this. Nowadays, you're removed from playing, but what does playing Ohio State, what thoughts does that still bring up? Yeah, absolutely. Growing up in Ohio, um, a lot of friends went to Ohio State. Some Walmart <laughs> jersey-wearing fans <laughs> in the state of Ohio. I don't know if you've heard of that. But, uh, yeah, football is just such a big part of the culture in Ohio. And, um, you know, coming to Wisconsin and then going back, it always has a special spot uh, in my heart for sure. Did you, so you played down there a couple times, what, 2007, 2009, lost both of those games, but overall successful because you won your senior year. Yeah, I think the last game um, when Ohio State was ranked number one coming into Camp Randall, um, that was such a special game for me, but obviously going down to Columbus is such a tough place to play. Yes. And yeah. they got a night game this Saturday, and um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the last – so I'm sure we'll talk we, – we're going to pick games later in the show here, but it's now up to 19. Yes. It's the, the Wisconsin's 19-point underdog. Oh, 19 the spread? Yes. I thought you were going to say how long ago. Well, the last time Ohio they won State down there won is down there. 04. But do yeah. you know the last time they were this big of an underdog in any game? No. 1996 was also down at Ohio State. There were 26 wow. and a half point underdogs that night. That's that's how far this program's come. That they haven't been like a this big of a. I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of programs that have been 19 point underdogs at some point in the last 30 years. Wisconsin, it's been since 96. That's pretty. That's not bad. It's yeah. Not bad. I mean, that's a huge spread. It's a huge spread, and yet I'm probably still gonna. Have Stop. Ohio State cover. <laughs> yeah, no. we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to a little preview yeah. there. We'll get Sorry. to it later. I've been positive. It's a teaser. <laughs> I've been positive this week. I've talked myself into Wisconsin covering, but we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that. I did see a good tweet earlier today where if you go back in time 15 years to before you started playing at Wisconsin even, and if someone had told you that this year Wisconsin has four and five-star guys at both tackle spots, center, quarterback, and running back, yet they're still 18-point dogs at Ohio State. It, it's kind of crazy where even when – Wisconsin is undoubtedly, recruiting-wise, you know, lifted the talent they have and their profile. It's still the heights Ohio State has gone to. It's kind of impossible to keep up at this point. I mean, it is. I mean, Jim, Jim Trussell had won a national title with them, but they, Wisconsin be, would be so much better off if that whole tattoo thing hadn't happened. If that whole tattoo thing hadn't happened and he ended up getting run out of there and Urban Meyer comes back, they'd be so much better if Jim Trussell was still there. And Urban Meyer just took it to a different level. He did for sure. And – Certainly not an Urban Meyer guy, but the thing that he could do, that guy can recruit. Yeah. He can sell. He brought SEC recruiting into the Big Ten. And and the reality is, so you look at, you mentioned all the recruiting and the stars and all that. There are every position group Ohio State has, every guy there is a four- or five-star yeah. type guy. Yep. That's the reality of it. And their depth is unbelievable. So I think that's that's where the separation is. 
So I want to talk about the fact it's a night game where I what's different from the player perspective. And I want to talk about it maybe from the Graham Mertz perspective as well, where he's had his big time road game so far are at Purdue, even though he only had to throw it eight times. And then at Minnesota at the end of last year, that's the true win or lose. You win the West uh, if you pull through kind of game. This is the first legit road night test for him. What's different as a player going into those games? Well, I think it's, and I'll just talk briefly on, you know, Graham and everything. This year he's, in my eyes, improved tremendously. So it's hard to reference what he's done in the past on the road and whatnot. But anytime you go on the road, it's tough in the Big Ten, let alone it being a night game in Columbus. Blackout. Yeah. And there's all this stuff that goes into it. But, you know, both teams are going to be super excited. It's going to come down to who can stay even keeled and keep the composure and it's going to come down to turnovers taking care of the ball and turnovers feels like that and again going back to your time 2009 i think uh you guys threw two pick sixes you had an interception return for a touchdown like it was that was the second half right you you all gained it by a huge margin like it wasn't even close like you guys beat them up down there but they they took advantage of mistakes and i think on saturday night that's going to be kind of what it's what it's about avoiding mistakes ohio state is a big play team yeah, and the oh. reality, like you're going to give up those big plays. Yeah. they have the talent, they have the athletes to do that. Yeah, it's just a matter of how you can respond, and if you can continue to stay within the game plan. If you have to play from behind, that's not going to be a good spot to be. Right. Well, we've seen Graham Mertz and this offense in the last couple of years. When they have to play from behind, it has not gone very well. So even though I agree with you, I think he looks different so far this year against Washington State. He was playing behind in terms of behind the sticks, where third and 15, third and 16, he was completing those passes. But I go back to the Notre Dame game. There are instances last year where the struggles just became so much bigger when it had to be all Graham Mertz passing. He's just a different guy, though, than he was I agree. in the Notre Dame game, in the Michigan game, in the Penn State game. Like he's Through these three games, and I know that Washington State's defense has a pulse, right? They, the other two didn't, but like they definitely They're did. They're impressive. They, they got after him. Yeah, no, we, we were talking about this before it came on the air. They were more impressive than you thought they would be going into that one. So you, you, yeah. you don't think that's as bad of a loss as, as I, many do? I really don't. I don't. In the Pac-12, they get some really good talent and some good guys over there, too. Um, so obviously I think people seeing the spread going into that game at Camp Randall, that loss hurts. There's no question about it, but that loss doesn't, um, frustrate or worry me. If anything, I think that they're going to bounce back and learn a lot from that game Yeah, moving forward. It's, it's always nice to lose those games though. Or I should say, get those games and still win. Like you learn, right? Arizona state in 2010 was a really, really close game. It came down, it was like yeah. a two-point game. You guys were able to learn through that. It w- you guys didn't necessarily play great, but no. you were able to learn, and you still got the win. Now, a couple weeks later, lost to Michigan State anyways, but um, it was those are the type of games that, that benefit you early in the year, like close games, and you just hope you can come out with a win uh, and learn. Yeah, and that was an Arizona State team that a lot of people discounted the talent that they had. Pac-12. They had uh, Vontez Burfick playing yes. D-line. They had uh, one of the – forgetting the D-tackle. I mean, the guy's still playing. Yeah. He's a three-technique. They had really good talent. Yeah. So I think people don't realize the Pac-12 can recruit too, and they have talented players as well. And the one question mark with the offensive line that you didn't think you are going to have to ask going into that game or leaving it, quite frankly – that's what showed up. So I'm looking to that unit to see 
how they continue to grow throughout the year. Well, that's a big story coming up on Saturday because we got word today Riley Mallman will be out, even though he wasn't listed on the injury report. And as Zach said on Tuesday, don't listen to the early injury reports because it often goes uh, either he's not listed and then he ends up being out or the other way around. So we're looking at Nelson, Beach, Tipman, and then the right side's a question because Tanner Bordellini was back last week and, and he got in there. Trey Weedig came in there and played for Logan Brown as well. I don't know what the alignment's going to be, but first, as an offensive lineman, what happens when the shuffling occurs? Because we saw it last game, and I, it was when Wisconsin was up, even though it was still a little early. But when you're at your position and you see another guy or another two guys slide in there just in the middle of a game or, say, uh, for another game where you haven't played with them much, does that change maybe your process a lot? You know, it, I don't think it does. And that goes back to the preparation and how you practice. It's, and that's how, you know, Coach Bostad develops the talent. I mean, you're going to be moving around. These guys have had the opportunity and thankfully have gotten a lot of reps within camp, and there's been competition since day one. This isn't a situation where, you know, it was a right tackle who was locked in there and you felt great about him from day one. This has been a question mark since spring. So these guys have been competing and moving in and out of these positions for a while, even though we've only seen it, you know, couple weeks of it you they've they've had a lot more reps than you think and i don't see ohio state having that one guy that's the difference there's not a bosa there's not a golston a young a a somebody that they can move around that really just scares you right that's not to say they don't have a ton of talent along the defense they have a a ton of talent but they don't have that guy they have the the guy like the ohio state university they don't have the guy along their defensive line right now a lot of good talent a lot they of good, might have lot of it players. and we haven't seen it yet that's but that's that's the yeah well that's the one the guy for he was jack sawyer number one overall recruit in the country he's a redshirt freshman right so he isn't like they rotate a lot up there they have a lot of good guys but if anybody's going to be the guy it's going to be him but you know what i'm saying like there yet he's not a bosa not yet bosa, yes and he's not yeah chase young and that's kind of what was killed wisconsin certainly in 2019 uh as long as you don't have the tight end covering jack sawyer just, or uh, trying to block Jack Sawyer, I think could be all right. Yeah. And Jake Ferguson trying to trying to block. Uh, it was fourth and eight. Wisconsin yeah. was down seventeen with the ball, and the game was over. But they had somewhat of a pulse. That moment gives me nightmares. Still, <laughs> that was tough. Garrett yeah. Roshek was in to help, and he kind of just passed Jake Ferguson trying to block Chase Young. I don't know. I still think about it. That, that was, was tough. That was <laughs> tough. But when you look at Ohio State and their defense, like they've given up points. It's a it's a new defense, right? With with Jim Knowles, they were not good last year. They were a, a bad defense last year. They've given up some big plays in the passing game this year yep. against Toledo. We saw it certainly last last week. Um, can Wisconsin take advantage of that? I don't know. How tough is Ohio State? Well, they have the they have the athletes, but well, so, we're talking when you line up in twenty one twenty two personnel. How tough is Ohio State? So we're going to find out because <laughs> Notre Dame, you've seen how they've played since, and they have some, had some injuries, right? Yeah. But I don't think they've been tested. Do you think they can? Do you think Wisconsin can play bully ball with uh, with Ohio State? Absolutely. Okay. All right. The, yeah. Ohio State saying this week, and that's not me being a homer. I really do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Ohio State was saying this week that we will, we believe that uh, we came Ohio State to play these type of games. Like we want to we, we want to play physical football. We want to we want to smash heads. This is. You know, playing against Wisconsin, that's what we want to do. And it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it. It's just – That's why you play the game. You do. You got to line it up. You do. I would, feel, I would feel more comfortable if this game was 
in Camp Randall, <laughs> like to, with that idea, with that notion, where you could just where you could play bully ball. It's just I think it's gonna be so tough to do it down there. It's tough. It's tough, and obviously the crowd's gonna be into it. You're gonna have the the silent cadence, all that stuff. It, I keep saying that the crowd's gonna be. That's gonna be a huge factor in it, and penalties. Yes. With that, the pre-snap penalties. If Wisconsin can keep that at a minimum and give themselves a chance because you do not want to be getting into those third, second, long, third and long type situations because that's where the athletes on the back end can show up. That's, yeah. I was actually I was actually thinking of you after that Washington State game um, because they had 11 penalties, right? Yeah. Five of them, I think, were on the offensive line. The last time you guys they had more penalties than that was in 2008 against Michigan State. <laughs> there was 12. So it had been a while since they had had that. I, I thought of you only because, you know, 2008, you were on the, on the team. You're not committing the penalties necessarily. He was no. thinking of you committing penalties. I, I was <laughs> trying to remember that game. Was that at Camp Randall? It was not. It was there, I believe, because 2007 was the year that Kyle Jefferson got killed. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not good. Right, that, that game was at Camp Randall. 2008, yeah. I'm pretty sure, was, was at uh, yeah. Michigan State. Yeah, so, and, and – Here's the deal with those penalties. I think a couple of them could have gone either way. Oh, for sure. I think that ref really wanted to get some FaceTime on Fox News. That was my <laughs> take on it. Some of them were legit, but we're talking all, like, there were three penalties, and those plays went for 20-plus yards. Yep. That is a, a field-changing type penalty. Yeah. Those are big plays. Those are I don't want to call them turnovers, but they're as close as it gets to that. Well, I was gonna—I was gonna ask you. It felt like some of those turnovers, or not turnovers, some of the blocks were like trying to impose your will on the other team, finishing blocks. Yeah. Like Joe Tipman, or not? Yeah, Joe Tipman got one where he like put a guy right in the ground. Right. Back in the day, that's a, that's a pancake easily. This yeah. one, it's called holding. I think two of them were unnecessary, which okay. hurts the most. Right, the yep. hands to the face one. That's the um, one. That was the one where, I mean, it, it was what it was, but if you watch the plays, that, that goes on. Probably Graham right? Mertz's best throw, too. Yeah. On the run to yeah. Tim Ray DK on the side. Oh. Yeah. It was just a lot of things didn't go in Wisconsin's favor that game. I don't think that, I mean, up front they got beat up a little bit, but I think it's something that they're going to learn from and they're going to get better from. And I, I'm thankful that it happened this early. Yeah. yeah, it's it's because it's better that than being somewhat delusional with some of that stuff going into Columbus. Yeah, and not having a great opportunity to win an awesome Big Ten game. Yeah, uh, so I guess I want to ask both of you this: What would the approach be to how you choose the starters along the line for this weekend? Because Logan Brown hasn't played much right tackle, but he's played there more this year than Wedig, who's really young, and then you have Fertney or Bordellini inside, we're like, th that feels like a legitimate decision. And Bostad, everyone in the room, obviously sees these guys work every day and they have a better sense. But I'm wondering how, like, does playing on the road at Ohio State in a raucous crowd where pre-snap penalties could be a big thing, would that change the approach at all? Because to me, it's like, how committed are you to Logan Brown at right tackle at this point? And I don't know Logan Brown. I know he works his tail off, but... It gets to a certain point where you got to start looking to the future with what the rest of the season looks like. And we're in, you know, week four right now. What do you want to look like in week eight through 12? Who's going to be that guy? 
And sometimes there's going to be growing pains with all young players or first-time starters at a certain position when you put them in there. But in my eyes, you just have to, you know, have that trust and the instinct. From a mental standpoint, too, who's going to be able to handle it, right? And that's not – I can't answer that question. But that's what I would look at when evaluating it. I love Tanner Bordellini because because he's so he's so versatile. He's he's Bill Nagy. He's versatile. He can play almost anywhere. He can like he can doesn't lead. commit penalties though. I don't know if he commits penalties. I, I, well, there's, <laughs> well, here's the deal. The reality is, there's going to be stuff that comes up throughout the year. There's going to be injuries. So you get a guy like that. You get Malman back. You get Bordellini playing a ton of snaps. Who knows? That guy could end up being a fixture at right yeah. tackle, or he could end up be playing guard. He, he could end up playing left tackle. Who knows yeah. with the season? That's yeah. just football, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're getting the best five out there. I think if this if this was last year, Tanner Bordellini would be your right tackle on Saturday night. Um, Joe Ruff loved him because he could play him everywhere. He played him at, five, at four of the five different positions. I mean, he started as a true freshman as a, at center. It wasn't great, but he, he did it. Like, yeah. if Joe Ruff was here, that'd be it. They it feels like it feels like that Bob Bostad believes he's an inside guy. So probably right guard, and maybe you're starting center next year if, if Joe Tipmer were to leave. We'll see if that actually ends up happening or not. But like, regardless, he's an asset. Yes, Trey you got to Lo- get him out there. You got to figure a way to get him out. If there. Logan, if all the all Logan Brown was asked to do is run block, he'd be fine. I, he'd be fine. Like just run power the entire time, try and wash down a guy. He'd be fine. That's not only only thing he has to do. He has to keep Graham Mertz upright. And we saw against Washington State with a little bit of struggles. And Ohio State's going to put some athletes against him on the outside. I personally would go, would go with Trey Wedding, even though we haven't necessarily seen him actually do it in a game against elite competition. Well, that's what it is. You, you just said it. This is going to be a three-phase game. You're going to have to be able to run the ball. You're going to have to be balanced on offense. Graham Mertz is going to have to make throws. You're going to have to be well-rounded right so it's not about one thing or the other you have to figure out who's going to give you the best chance and who's going to be the best balance at that position yeah i mean if i'm ohio state i would attack the right side of the offensive line wouldn't you absolutely i mean if riley Baldwin was there and he wasn't perfect by any stretch you know early on but he's their best pass blocker on that side at least from what i've been told and from what you can see yeah not having him that's a significant significant loss i I mean i would say him and Alexander Smith not being there uh, could end up being huge, huge for their chances to win this game on Saturday night. And that also, I mean, will lead to the running backs and pass protection because they're going to need them when Wisconsin will have to pass, which they will at times, I would assume. I can't see them <laughs> running all over them and, and no. not needing to, you know, maybe be off schedule and connect on passes. Running backs and pass protection, that's another asset we'll be looking at. All right, that is Zach Heilprin. That is Bill Nagy. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Happy hour is going on as we speak. It'll be going on until 7. We will be here until 6. Come on by and hang out. You got $4 spotted cows, $5 Long Island, so much more. Game day deals, 5 for 15 buckets. New food on the item, uh, on the menu, excuse me, as well. Grilled chicken salad. You have hot honey chicken and waffles. Uh, A new pudding on there. It all looks terrific. Monks in Sun Prairie. That is where we are. That is where you should be to watch football this weekend. When we return, how does Wisconsin win the game? Where maybe do they have an advantage? We'll get into all of it. It's Kenny and Heilprint.
All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Bill Nagy along with us today talking Wisconsin, Ohio State. Wisconsin now 19-point underdogs in Columbus. I will note, and this is something to monitor going up to Michigan State, I want to ask you, do you know the last time Wisconsin was an underdog against a team not named Ohio State? The last time during any game they've played that they were an underdog, not Ohio State. I know the answer. I know the answer. Well, I know you know the answer because I talk about it a lot. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's a couple years back. It is Miami in the pinstripe bowl. Why did you you mention Michigan State? Yeah, you said that, so I was like... Oh, because they could be... No, we're monitoring it going into Michigan State in two weeks because that could be the time. I didn't want to say give me the answer and not guess it. That would have been... Yeah, Yeah, that that would have been a hard look. Yeah. (laughs) No, this Ohio State contest is continuing. It's like the Affleck trivia question. Like, it's either one of these two teams, probably. (laughs) It's got something to do with one of these two teams. No, the last Michigan State one was... Well, I guess they played them, what, in 20... Eight, they played eighteen. In, played him in nineteen, but at home, and that was a thirty-eight to nothing. They game. haven't played in. That was D'Antoni. The, they haven't played at Michigan State since sixteen. Okay, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Anyway, uh, nineteen-point wow. underdogs against the Buckeyes. Beat the hell out of them. We yeah. will get into later what we think of the contest. Hey, that and was a bad team. What the, tw- the twenty sixteen? Oh yeah, Michigan that State was Spartans. that was a shell of a football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Michigan State name kind of made that. It was, it was one of those wins that looks like a lot better than For sure. at the moment. Kind of like the LSU Absolutely. game that year. Yeah. <laughs> So this contest on Saturday, we talked about this on Tuesday. I want to get your thoughts. I, I was going through the matchup, and Wisconsin doesn't have the advantage. And I, you can't really point to areas and be like, okay, Wisconsin's much better there. Uh, there are areas that they can definitely win on Saturday, but this team's number three in the country for a reason. If their defense turns around under Jim Knowles, then they could be really scary in the national sphere. I had a thought, though. So C.J. Stroud's a quarterback, Heisman contender, can put the ball anywhere. I, 11 touchdowns, zero picks this year, I think. Um, a, the weapons are unbelievable. We know all of that. But I was thinking back to 2019, the last time a big-time contest between these two teams were played. I think I would rather face a Stroud-type quarterback, given Jim Leonard's defense. And he can move. He could throw on the run. He could scramble and extend plays. But he doesn't look to run. And you're not knowing that you have to put a linebacker there as a spy on third and four or whatever because he might just take off with it. Instead, he's more of a pocket passer, and he'll dissect you. But I would rather play a Stroud-type quarterback than Fields because Fields in college at Ohio State could kill you in so many ways. Am I crazy for thinking that? I don't think so. But the worry is when you come up and you fix a game plan – and you come up with this plan, and then all of a sudden you have a guy that has the capability to do something, and you leave something off of that plan, and you don't adapt. The biggest thing Saturday, when you send pressure and when you do and you're able to generate pressure off of a four-man rush, you have to make sure that you get them down, right? Because extending the plays with the athletes that they have, that's where you get beat. Yeah. You just have to be able to land those because once he gets outside of the pocket, that's where, you know, extending the plays, and he has the capability to do that. So that's what you worry about is some of the missed tackles, which have have seen a couple of them yep. this year. So making sure that you, you know, going back to the fundamentals, just sound tackling, wrap him up, make sure he doesn't extend those plays because that's where I think the defensive game plan can get strained a little bit. What would scare you more, a guy – that is going to take is going to read once and take off if it's not there, or a guy who's going to read all over the field and if he's he's able to like buy time and continue to go down the field. I think the second one because they have so many yeah. weapons on offense. Yeah, 
right? Hey, listen, I I have this thought. That, well, it's, also Fields at that point. It's that's well said. Just, that's well put, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Fields wasn't one read. We don't have to get deep into Justin Fields' career. He wasn't one read and go. No, he wasn't. But he also had, like, the thing about both these guys is they have just a ridiculous amount of talent around them. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you think about the receivers that he was throwing to in 2019. You think about the receivers that he's throwing to now. It's an insane amount of uh, uh, ability. And so it, it plays with it. But I, I think Justin Fields is a lot more willing to take off and run than C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, that's like a last resort for C.J. Stroud. He's always looking to make the big play down the field. And, and Justin Fields, for the, most, for the most part, especially maybe in 2019, maybe not, you know, uh, in 2020, but he was always looking downfield. Or he was always looking at, if it wasn't there early, to take off and run. Yes. And, and, could, and could beat you badly in that respect. Yeah. So the big update on those receivers that you mentioned that the Ohio State Buckeyes have now, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Heisman contender, entering the year, as well as Julian Fleming, are full go. They Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba got hurt week one against Notre Dame, missed a week, came back, but didn't play much. So the question is there. He might still not be 100%, but they seem to be full go enough against this Wisconsin team. I guess the question is, how do the Badgers make it a phone booth game? How do they somehow limit Ohio State just stretching the field and getting in a track race? Well, going back, what were the injuries that they had? Do you hamstring. know? Uh, hamstring. JSN was a All hamstring. Right. Julian Fleming, I think, was a knee, but that, I will. That can always pop back up. See, that that's why I ask, because those are, yeah. You think about the ham, like, Alexander The hamstrings, Smith. the Alexander knees, Smith. that's stuff that makes a difference. If you're going to say it was a shoulder or, uh, you know, yep. even a concussion-type situation, I wasn't sure on those. Um, but the way that Wisconsin can make it a phone booth-type game is going back to just be sound in the tackling game. When you get pressure, when you get opportunity, you have to land on it. If you're missing those and you're giving them a second chance, that's where they're going to beat you. And they have enough athletes and enough talent to be able to do that. Yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting thing. It's it, it could be it, I don't want to call we we break this legacy game. Like some people call it legacy games for for quarterbacks, right? Like they'll be this is a legacy game for Aaron Rodgers against against uh it's stupid. It's I would stupid. go, but I think I would even go further than just Mertz. But it's but I'm I'm not talking about Graham Mertz. I'm talking about Keanu Benton, true, Nick Herbig, and the rest of that front seven. If they can get after C.J. Stroud mm. and make him uncomfortable, which is exactly obviously what they need to do, and, and Jim Leonard's going to throw some different looks at him. But if they can have like significant significant games in this game and somehow be the difference and then pulling out a win. People will never forget them. People never forget. David Gilreath was a good wide receiver. He was a good wide receiver. Yeah, there's that, there's that iconic play. But you have and that iconic like play. That. Could, they ha- could they have iconic moments in this game that people will never forget? Yes, that's a possibility. So, so let me ask a question. Outside of Herbig, who has been able to generate pressure? Benton. And that's an interior rusher. So like right? The, the, and I, don't, I just don't see Benton as that Warren Sapp type guy that can impact the game from a pass. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's where I feel like they're going to have to generate and come up with some pressures on the back end and move some guys around, which you've seen Jimmy do in the past. And not as aggressive as like an Aranda type defense, but Jimmy's able to do that and dial that stuff in on third down. So I think you're going to see some stuff that you have not seen the first three weeks. Well, I mean, we have seen – you're right. I agree. Uh, Kamoi Latu is a guy that I think is a, is a good 
good blitzer, and he's also a heat-seeking missile that will sometimes miss tackles because he's going to yeah. try and take the big hit. Nikia Watson, how you doing? And then there's also, you know, John Torchio ha- has come on some pressures as well. The thing about Benton is he's got, and I know pro football, fo- pro football focus is kind of what it is. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. He's second on the team in pressures. He's got eight pressures. Herbig's got nine. Jordan Turner, I think, is like six. It's it's who on the other side of Nick Herbig can bring it. Because we haven't necessarily seen That was really the question that I had. And that was my fear is, yes, you have a guy that can generate pressure. But a team like Ohio State, like, they have good coaches too. Yeah. They can figure out a way to slow him down, whether it's the running back tight or whatever it is. You have to figure out a way to get pressure from different looks or different individuals. Yep. That, I, that's the way I see it. I, I completely agree, and I, I think that was kind of thing coming in. I, I feel like they had a whole bunch of guys could do that. We just haven't seen it to this point. Uh, a Daryl Peterson, right, that we were talking about going into the season, could he break out? I think he's got something going on with his elbow. He's got he's wearing a big brace on the elbow, so I don't know exactly what it is. CJ gets not really his thing, uh, more of a run run uh, run stopper. So. Those three guys have been playing the most at outside linebacker. Can they figure something out? And then also, you know, the fact that Jordan Turner does have that many uh, pressures would indicate that they're willing to, to send him from the inside spot as well, which they have done over the years. Last year with Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, Chris Orr before that. Like, they, they have been willing to do it, and if he's good at it, then you do it. Yeah, it's, it's Benton for me because when I even look at he's beating blocks. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. But the teams they played so far, especially Washington State, the ball was out in a second, where a lot of times it's impossible for him to really get to Cam Ward when the ball's out before he can even think. So it's more like we see him beating blocks. We see him in the backfield. He's just a second late. So maybe that also has to do with a team that isn't just trying to pepper the outside where they try to go down the field. And the secondary has to be there. But also I think Benton will have more time, no doubt, on Saturday to get there. But it's about the inside linebackers to me too where whether it's Leonard yeah. scheming pressure with them or just I think the worst thing that could happen to this Wisconsin defense on Saturday is Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams just shred them through the middle, whether it's missed tackles or whatever, where Wisconsin will be screwed because how do they defend against the pass on the outside if they can't even stop the run? Where at least if they're stopping the run, I have a hope that they could do it on the outside. So Jordan Turner and Muma Jongmet are the guys for me where if it's pressure – if it's meeting Trayvon Henderson or Williams inside on a whatever, first and 10, second and 10, to keep Ohio State behind schedule, it kind of all goes back to those guys for me. Yeah, you got to change the line of scrimmage. And that goes to the offense too, right? Creating and making it a phone booth game, you got to make sure that from an offensive standpoint, you're running the ball well on first and second down. Like that's just what it comes down to as well. But changing the line of scrimmage on defense too. And it – it's really hard to judge against some of the teams and the offensive lines that they've played. I think Washington State was okay, but their offense is much different than in Ohio State. Oh, so Leonard be... had like seven, six DBs on every we, – yeah. we saw, what, one down lineman there for some of that game? Or He's not going to be asked to do that much this season. So it'll be interesting we'll to see what Ohio State comes with their game plan from an offense too. Yeah. Like what routes are they going to be running? Are they going to be taking shots? Or are they going to be – Doing more of the, the dink and dunk, running the ball, making sure that they I would can control they, the clock too, right? I would love if they only did that. Let me tell you that. They're gonna, you know, we, we all know they're going to take shots. They're yeah, going right. to take shots, but I also think that they understand what the game plan from Wisconsin is going to be too. So the last thing they want to do is keep their defense on the field longer than it needs to be. 
So they're going to want to sustain drives and make sure that, you know, they don't have three and out type situations either. Can I ask your take on this? Notre Dame played not to lose in, in the first week. Very, very conservative, trying to limit the game, trying to limit the game, like the possessions for Ohio State. I don't – I'd rather Wisconsin not do that. I know that that may give them their best chance to win in the, in the end, but go out there and, and play like you want to play. Go out there and try and throw the ball around. Try and do some of the stuff that we've seen here these first three weeks. I mean, they've thrown the ball more than they've run the ball and had more success throwing the ball the first three weeks. You can't, just because it's Ohio State, you can't all of a sudden just run the ball 45 times a game just because you don't want to face their offense. You have to, you have to attack them. No, I, I agree with that. But it also comes down to what's your identity. Like, you don't want to. I don't know if they have one. And I, I, outside, of, outside of the program identity. I don't right? hate that comment, and I, I think they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But um, let's just put it, it's going to be tough to find your identity going to Columbus for a night game, right? Um, but I think it's going to start up front, and it really is. If they're able to run the ball and they're able to get things going, it's going to open up some other stuff too. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't know. The whole identity thing is weird in the approach. I don't it, – it all has to do with what the offensive line does. But then up to this point in the season, what am I confident in the team doing? At this point, it's moving the ball through the air. And part of that is the secondaries they've played have been subpar. And Washington State just dropped into the softest zone ever on every third down. But, I mean, but generally – 21 sometimes. Yeah. Where they have struggled offensively sometimes has been consistently gaining yards running the football. Where there's been some explosion – but they've also, I, a lot of it has been stopped at or behind the line, which to me, like the offensive line has to win. But also, who do I want with the ball on a third and two? It's Graham Mertz right now. And it's crazy for me to, I, I couldn't believe I'd be saying this entering this game. <laughs> Mr. Jack Cohn over here. That's how I feel. I don't know if I agree with that. On really? third and two, no. Third and five? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you're not running for five yards on third and five. But for instance, we saw the Washington State game. There was a third and three. Uh, just into Washington State territory. This was right before the first missed field goal, and they ran a toss to Malusi, and it got blown up, and then they kicked a field goal, where, to me, the thing that was working at that point was Graham Mertz, where it's either you run it once and then go for it, or you pass it, and then if you're going to kick, you kick. I just think the defensive front from Washington State was so underrated. It was good. So it's hard to judge. You have two games where... The reality was the upfront, it was not competitive. It just wasn't. So it's hard to judge based off of that. But what they've learned from that Washington State game, from a wake-up call, you hope that they're able to set the tone and grow from that. That's all you can hope for if you want to see the run game get going on Saturday. I That's agree. That's the way I see it. I agree. And having the steady dose of Allen and Malusi and maybe Garendo also will help. Malusi's been running the ball well. I agree. He's been running the ball great. I have a hot take that I think both of those guys, should, Grendo and Malusi, should be getting as many touches at this point than, than Braylon Allen, just based on what I've seen so far. In terms of explosion with Grendo, you know what? We'll talk about this next. That's an interesting thought. Uh, cause again, based, on, based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. We'll get to that next. That is Zach Kyoprin. That is Bill Nagy. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. It is happy hour. Come on by. Game day specials as well you got jello shots for touchdowns so i hope you won't be watching rutgers iowa the lowest total i've ever seen in college football but jello shots for touchdowns when the badgers and packers play there will be many this weekend we hope uh, beer bucket deals as well a lot of new food on the menu 
Monk's Bar and Grill. Uh, my one thing when I come to a sports bar is, it sounds simple, but where are the televisions? And I can confirm there are many. They are everywhere, and they're showing everything. I see the Brewers game, caters to me. I see golf. I see some ESPN. I see some football. So they're hitting it all. This is the place to be to watch sports this weekend and always. You can bring the family here. So when we return, we'll get into the running back thing as well as much more. We'll pick games coming up here in a couple minutes, too. Back after this, it's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. It is Kenny and Heilprin. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill, Wisconsin, Ohio State coming up. A lot of other great games around the Big Ten, at least to me, at least it caters to what I want to see, which is chaos. That is Rutgers, Iowa. But we'll talk more about the games this weekend coming up in a bit. We mentioned the running backs. So I said something earlier this week, and this is sometimes I just have thoughts as the week goes by. I said a couple weeks ago, this seems like a Keontes Lewis game that – Keontes Lewis had a good game when I said that, so maybe I'm channeling something. But I said this would be a great weekend, and they need it for Isaac Arendo, kickoff return, running back, wherever he is, to have his David Gilreath moment, where they need plays like that, and he seems to be the guy best equipped to do it. So you mentioned entering break how you would want to disperse the running back carries. I don't know where I stand. I haven't given it much thought because it felt like, to me at least, where when they have struggled, it's been – kind of everything that has struggled where maybe some running backs would fit certain situations more but against Washington State I think 20 percent of runs went for negative yards or zero yards and that was with everybody on the field so that kind of was a whole team kind of deal not one or the other but I don't know it kind of has to be a whole unit thing for me would you differentiate I'd say no, given mean, what we've seen no I mean I I, I just the way that Braylon has run the ball it feels like he's trying to take one to the house every single time instead of just taking what's there for him he admitted as much after the Washington State game. Um, maybe it was a little bit different this past week. He didn't get a ton of opportunities, especially after the after halftime. But it's either it's, it feels like it's either an eight or nine yard gain or zero. <laughs> like that's like just, it just kind of feels like that's what it is. Isaac Rendo is the true breakaway threat on this offense. Anytime he can, t- anytime he touches the ball, it could go. Like that's just how I feel when he gets the ball in his hands. He's got Jonathan Taylor type athleticism. It's not the same running back as JT, obviously, but he's got that type of athleticism. But Ches Malusi, putting the ground and going and taking what's there is, uh, I think, in a game like this, is significant instead of just instead of dancing around. Just take it, take the ball, hit the hole. It's not there. The holes aren't going to be huge. They're not going to be there for a ton of time. Just go. Stop trying to make every play into the biggest thing possible. I think a lot of it's between the ears, right? When you play a team that you want to have that big play, that big run every time. But when you get into the mindset where it's, hey, we're going to Ohio State, you get four yards, this is great. I think that's Braylon's type of game. And I think when you try to, you just keep hitting the singles, the home runs come. And I think he just needs a game like that to get going. In the Washington State game, I keep referencing that. The O-line didn't help him at all with that. That didn't help that cause. So I think it's people are being maybe a little bit hard on Braylon Allen right now. Okay. But I think that this is the type of game where it's, hey, if you get positive yards, we can get 
four yards on first down and we can keep moving the ball forward, those are going to come because he he's durable, he has the power, and he's going to be – he's built for the Big Ten. He's not built for New Mexico State. <laughs> That's the way I see it. Okay. Yeah, well, I also look at a lot of things in the Washington State game and say – Wisconsin might not face things like this, where I look at Iowa's defense, for instance, and Ohio State's as well, though they are fast and athletic and big, but Iowa's defense is traditionally bigger, where Washington State, I would say, like, they were really fast on the edges, and that gave the Wisconsin offensive line fits. It's at least how I see it. That's also me trying to move forward and look at how things could help the Badgers and trying to make sense of, you know, the loss and everything, but I don't know. The good news is we're talking about three guys right now. That's true. We're talking about three talented guys in the backfield that we're trying to figure out a way how to distribute reps opposed to having an individual and who's going to be behind him if he goes down, right? So it's a good problem. So a couple minutes before we get to picks here, we talked a lot earlier this week about, number one, the explosive plays, Ohio State's defense, and we had discussed this, has given them up at times. To me, it's we're going to learn a lot because they didn't give them up against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, with all the injuries, has proven to be quite inept on offense. We'll learn a lot there. It's also success on early downs. This is what I always come back to for this team and this matchup because Ohio State's offense is amazing on early downs. They're amazing on late downs. They're just great. Wisconsin's <laughs> defense, however, on early downs so far this year, they've allowed opponents to move the ball. Where on third down, they have been terrific, especially against Washington State. They, I, I forget the exact numbers. I think they were like 10% on third down, where can Wisconsin actually find early down success as a defense? Because that sets everything else up. I feel like they're playing with fire if they keep going how we've seen them going. Part of that is missed tackles that we have mentioned. But if they keep going the route of, you know, Ohio State moves the chains on second down, and then they get one third down chance to get off the field, if you're playing with that much fire, I think you get burned. Well, and that's what happened in the 2019 championship game when Wisconsin built that 21-7 lead. It was getting them into third down situations and, and getting off the field. Um, they even had a fourth down, I believe, midway through that the, the second quarter of that game. Like they were able to get off the field early on, and it doesn't allow the playmakers three more chances to beat you. And it feels like Saturday night is going to be one of those situations. But um, the initial, I guess, the initial three games here don't necessarily feel great about them being able to do it just based on what we've seen yeah i have a question for the group does wisconsin make field goals on saturday so uh what do we mean by field goals like 40 and in or just just in general inside inside 40 i'll be shocked if they attempt something outside of 40 does paul chris go for it on those fourth downs though or do they punt that's my guess is punt that's my nightmare i said it after the washington state game i am petrified because Paul Chris came out. He said that fourth and three he regrets because the Cougars got the ball. They went down. They scored. I'm petrified because of the injuries and lack of success at kicker that they don't attempt those field goals in, say, 45-ish range, and it's fourth and four. So instead they just punt it instead of trying to go. That is – it keeps me up at night. <laughs> I think you got to kick it. you got to kick field it. Field goal? Yeah. Well, the guy they have they on out, Van Zelst, yeah, so they don't have, can't really do it. They don't have the guy that, who – they don't have Vito Calparuso. He's not going to play this week. Jack he's Van, not? Okay. He's not. Jack Van Dyke is maybe going to play, but he's not a field goal kicker, and he's, he's just their kickoff guy. So it's Nate Van Zelst, who has been perfect, is, was awesome, was awesome in spring, was awesome the little bit we get to see him in fall camp, of inside 40. But outside of 40, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sh- uh, you know, 
I think it's a toss-up if you show? look at the statistics. I mean, I, like that, yeah. That's what it comes down to, right? It's it's really a pick 'em, like how the offense is playing, what the situation is. True. Yep. Where where you're at in the game, if you're playing behind, if you're ahead, um, there, there's a lot of variables that go into it. But he's just gonna get killed. He'll he'll just get killed if he goes for it, for uh, you know, if he goes if he doesn't go for it on fourth down. It's fourth and two at like the forty. Wisconsin's down ten, maybe. He's like scared. it's a game, but I mean, we're yeah. talking. Anyway, we're talking thirty-five yard line and in. So I mean, he's he has punted. thirty and in. I mean, he, he punted has, from he the plus thirty-five the, last year in Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, all right. That, but was, that's that's an elite defense. This is a little bit different. A little bit different. It's going to be situational. Yeah, yeah I know. That's what it's going to. I got you. Out. All right. So before we get to picks, I know a lot has to go right for Wisconsin to win. But one to two keys to victory. What comes across your mind first? I'll let Bill go first. Can you repeat the question? Sorry, I was, yeah. <laughs> one to two keys to victory. I know that a lot has to go right, but when you just wrap your head around, how does Wisconsin win the game? What's the biggest thing? It's going to be running the ball first and second down. I'm going to do three things. That, taking care of the ball, and being able to – tackle when you get a chance and you're sending pressure yep. that's what it's going to come down to my, my big one is limit big plays big plays are going to happen we know that right but it limits to one or two as opposed to five or six if you can limit to one or two you can be in this game if it's five or six you're not going to be in this game uh and then my other one is special teams don't let special teams beat you don't let don't don't let s- stupidity on special teams which is what we kind of saw against Washington State, and we, we have seen over the years at Wisconsin. Don't let that beat you. And Graham Mertz, let Graham cook. That's crazy. Okay. That's a crazy statement. I agree, let though. Let Graham cook. Let him cook. I'm with you. When in doubt, I think we are in a point in the season and in this game. I think the script will go this way. I want the ball in Graham Mertz's hands on a fourth and five it's crazy. compared to punting in plus territory. It's crazy we're saying that because none of us would have said that before the season. I was still confident that he could be a good quarterback, but, and he's made that steps, but I still, it's still kind of crazy to be thinking about it. It is. Especially for a Jack Cohn guy like, like Ben Kenny to say it. That I am. Do you agree, Bill? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's one other thing. It's going to be third down defense. Yep. Don't let them get if we can If we can keep them under, under 50% third down conversions, you got to feel good. Get them to third down, first of all, uh, which has been a little bit of a, you know, Bit of a bit of a struggle, but yes, get him get him to that spot, get him off the field. Don't allow their playmakers another three plays to make yeah. big ones. And the pre-snap penalties are going to be huge too. Yeah. Hey, hey, offensive line, keep your hands inside, hold all you want inside, just don't get on the outside. And kind of hope that one of Travion Henderson, JSN, or the three guys in the secondary that are banged up aren't a hundred percent. Got to throw that in there too. All right. So picks for the weekend. We'll get to the Wisconsin game. We'll talk about whether we think the cover is to come, whether uh, whether Bill thinks a win is to come. He seems positive about this game. But I want to start. So Zach and I are picking four games and then the Wisconsin game. Up to this point, to be very clear, Zach is 11-8. and eight. We both went 2-3 and three last week. I am 8-11. and 11. It hasn't been great. I, the only thing I can do is put my head down and work harder. That's I a three-game lead. That's what I'm supposed to that's say. three-game uh, lead. You've done well. I feel like it's insurmountable at this point. 
I disagree. Well, you're going to pick every game I pick, and that's the coward's no, way out. that's not what I'm going to do. Minnesota at Michigan State, my favorite game aside from Wisconsin-Ohio State this weekend. It means a lot for the Badgers. Significant. Uh, because Minnesota's on the road. It's one of their tougher games. If the Gophers win, there is a scenario out there if Wisconsin really struggles, also at Michigan State, where the Gophers uh, run away with the West, if you will. I think they're the only team that has shown that maybe they could do it. So that's a big game. They are three-point favorites on the road. Uh, I am addicted to home underdogs, especially in conference play. I'm going to take the Spartans, even though I don't buy into them. I don't buy into uh, their secondary. I don't think they're a contender in the East, but I don't know. Chris Altman, Bell's gone. Maybe they can't pass it. I want Michigan State. That's what I was going to say. I mean, missing out on Chris Chris Altman, Bell is significant. Mo Ibrahim has been awesome in his return from, uh, what was it? Achilles. Achilles, right? Week one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, has been awesome, and that, that running game is good. But that secondary for, for Michigan State is the problem. Like, that's that's the biggest problem. Tanner Morgan may be able to beat it, but he'll have to show me he can do it. I'm taking Michigan State as well. All right. Coward's way out. Just copying my picks. Nope. That's okay. Hey, I'm getting, I'm um, getting a shake. Nope. I'm getting a shake of the head from Bill here. Bill, do you have a call? looks good, man. They look good. Do you – the teams they have played. Colorado – might be almost as bad as New Mexico State. They're by far the worst Power 5 team in the country. Minnesota has played the worst starting they schedule next to Michigan. They also so, they also played New Mexico State, the team that just beat them 38-0. But. I agree. I, I said before the season, if someone aside from Wisconsin wins the West, it'll be Minnesota. I buy into them. I buy into Morgan and Shiraka, But I hope I'm wrong because I uh, absolutely hate Minnesota. Thank you. They are good. <laughs> I I worry about them. All okay. Right. All right. That's fair. I'm That's worrying. Fair. I, I've always said that game in Madison, I think it will decide the West. I hope it does. And Drew Dahl can ask for, in a, uh, for Wisconsin's sake, in a season, I feel like. The next game, Iowa minus 7.5 at Rutgers. The total for this game is a whopping 34. It is the matchup of the best punters in America, Tory Taylor and Adam Corsack. If you want real uh, – if you want to be enthralled by a, the best performance of the weekend, watch this game. More punts than points. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Rutgers does suck. They almost lost to my Temple Owls last weekend. Iowa's offense got scholarship receivers back in Nico Regani, and they scored against Nevada. However, the total is 34. Uh, Iowa's offense has showed you that they are the worst thing going in this country today. I want Rutgers plus 7.5. Home dogs. You've literally never said that you're a Rutgers or a Temple fan at any point in your entire life. I've never I heard 100%. That. Well, I'm so, from Philadelphia. So, but you also claim Villanova. No, no. I'm a Temple basketball guy. You've claimed Villanova basketball. I like them. Well, their coach isn't an ass. Boom. Compared to. Um, you're, you're taking, you're taking uh, Iowa, right? No, I'm taking Rutgers. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. The uh, only thing that scares me is what if. Rutgers and Iowa are so bad on offense, and the punters are so good that they turn the ball over on their own three, and that's how all the points are scored. Well, I know Bill Nagy's a big fan of Spencer Petras, so I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and take Iowa here, seven and a half. Wow. Iowa and the over. Yeah. And the over. I, I'll say this. I, I joked with Ben when he sent the, the, the spread. I'm like, is that over under on the number of punts Iowa's <laughs> going to have? Seven and a half. Seven and a half punts. Iowa has to get it going. Oof. I just—they're not that bad. Yes, they are. They are. They are. <laughs> yes, they but are. They, let's be fair. I'll give them one more week. Let's be fair about this. They've also been—they've missed—they've been missing some guys, right? They've only been playing with two scholarship wide receivers, and now they have four. Their best wide—their best wide receivers. Their best wide receivers are actually uh, at Purdue right now. 
his name's Charlie Jones. Their best two receivers and Tory Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I hope the Brian. Well, I hope the Brian Ferentz thing lasts forever. Uh, I also, I think it will end at the end of this year. The next one, real quick, Maryland. Maryland at Michigan. Michigan 17-point favorites. I will be at this game scouting for Wisconsin's uh, future game against Maryland. J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan offense, they look amazing. They have also played nobody, but I think Michigan runs away with it. I'm going to take, uh, take Michigan as well, but I do say this. Maryland's got some explosive, explosive playmakers. Michigan's defense, not, maybe not as good as it was last year, at least pass rushing-wise. They've been very good. They've played absolutely nobody. This is the problem with picking any of these games early in the conference season because most of these teams have played nobody, especially Michigan. Um, but I'm going to take, I'm gonna take Michigan. That's a, it's a big spread, but I'm going to take Michigan at home. All right. I actually think that Michigan could still win the East. That, I'm sure Given they, what they have. I think their defense, they'll be 12-0 going into that game. I think their defense could be as good as last year's. We'll see about the impact as rushers. Uh, we'll see. Well, they brought in a transfer. That's the difference. Game, I mean, that is, awesome. that's, that's the difference with Michigan. Um, Zach, the toilet bowl, Hawaii at New Mexico State. Um, <laughs> New Mexico State, you watched them last week, 66-7, to Wisconsin won. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites. That tells you enough about Hawaii. I'm going to take Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> I saying, have no clue. Did you see that passing game that Mexico State put together last week? Yeah. That's some impressive stuff. No, what I will say, they have some running backs. Star Thomas, actually, good player. Good player. I'm gonna, I'm, I know it's four-and-a-half. It's at home. Jerry Kill gets his first win, and they cover. All right, and the big one, Wisconsin at Ohio State, a 19-point spread. Bill first, if you had to forecast how you think this game is going, does Wisconsin cover, does Wisconsin win? I think they absolutely cover. I think it's going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and we'll see what happens. Star of the game on the Wisconsin side. Star of the game. Braylon Allen, he's going to have a breakout game. It's right. going to be one of those games that you talk about, like the Gilreath. I think this is going to go off for like 200 yards. I like that. O-line's going to play well. Bordellini's going to have a great game. <laughs> yeah. It's that. I'll be honest, it'd be amazing if Braylon does have a great game because, like. I think it's going to happen. No, no, I really, it, yeah. No, no, it'd be amazing if he did because, like, his number zero, his number zero. No doubt in my mind. His number zero would be forever connected to him and, and nobody would, would ever wear it again they would have to retire and that would make Zach happy he i hate that number i hate the number zero it's a bad, it's a horrible look Tough so i bit. so i hope he has a, i hope he has a great career i hope he has the best career of any running back that's ever played at wisconsin because they'll retire it and i will never have to see it again it's probably not going to happen at this point but we'll the, see does wisconsin cover that so i've been uh i've been picking different I've been picking differently on all the different places I've been going. I, I, I had a different one score again on uh, Kenny, or on, uh, the camp. You're such I've had a one loser. Score, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've had one score on uh, the morning show this morning, and I'm going to go with a different Spread score now. Spread his money around. He's going to be right. It's, I mean, <laughs> Congrats. You're going to th- be right. Th- this is going to be the one where I actually have them covering. So um, I'm going to say Ohio State 37, Wisconsin 20. Okay, so Wisconsin does cover, yet it might be a comfortable Ohio State win. Yes. I'm with you. I have Wisconsin covering 31-17, to 17, where maybe there's a late touchdown that puts it out of reach. But I do think in the third quarter, in the second half, this game will be competitive. This is not a runaway. I think Wisconsin has enough on defense, and it's Jim Leonard, where I trust him to have a plan to at least slow them down early, and then we'll see if they have a chance late. It's going to come down to Graham Mertz. Can Graham Mertz make big-time throws? Can the receivers 
help him out on the outside and get open, I think he'll do enough to make us confident in the rest of the season. Wisconsin's going to score more points than that. I mean, Ohio State gave up. How much did they give up to Toledo? 21, but I mean, it, was it was Toledo and half their team was on the bench. No, no. They scored 14 in the first half. It was, they scored 14. I, I just – It was it was a 21-14 game, wasn't it, at some point? Yeah. They, they're court, I think for they're Ohio State to cover, they're, they're, they're going to have to put up 45-plus points. Ooh. Well, on Jim Leonard's defense, no way. Well, I think That's Wisconsin, the way I see it. That's how I'm justifying the spread. <laughs> All right. I think Wisconsin tries to muck it up and maybe slow it down a bit and maybe not go for the kill, which Zach will not be happy with. All right. That's going to do it for us, Bill. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again, guys. As always, I will unfortunately see you next week. Monk's Bar and Grill. This is the place to be. All weekend, specials going on. RJ was looking at the hot honey chicken and waffles, which is on the menu. Looks fire. Come on by. Happy hour deals all week. They also have game day specials for Badger and Packer days. Hit it up this weekend. That's going to do it for us. We will talk to you on Tuesday. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.